You're listening to Along the Narrow Way, a podcast that walks you through books of the Bible verse by verse to help you dig into God's Word so you can walk along the narrow way with Christ more faithfully. Hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. Join them as they help us understand the Bible so we can walk more faithfully as disciples of Jesus. Second Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 12 here in just a minute. Second Corinthians chapter 2, we'll begin with verse 12, picking up kind of where we stopped there last week. Jimmy, you want to open us up with a word of prayer tonight? Surely will. Dearest Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can come here and study your word tonight and fellowship together and you bring us all together every week, Lord. And we pray, Father, that right now the Holy Spirit just penetrate our hearts with your word, that we will see the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work right now, Father. And I pray that anybody who is lost that sees this will come to know you, Savior, Lord, and God. And we just pray your will be done right now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Well, as you know, 2 Corinthians, <clears throat> Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth that we have recorded in our canon of Scripture. Um, we believe there were four letters altogether that Paul had written to this church. Um, these are the two we consider to be Scripture, inspired by God, that we have recorded. Paul has been writing because these false apostles, false teachers have inundated the church. They've been undermining his authority. They, they really have to undercut Paul as the authoritative apostle within the church if they're going to um, establish themselves and their teachings. And so he's been addressing some of that and some of the concerns. You'll remember uh, one of the Frivolous arguments was about him changing his travel plans, and he addressed that and so forth. And then he talked about um, uh, church discipline being brought against um, a particular fella and how forgiveness was offered and um, how um, love and comfort was to be shown. And we we mentioned how um, some people believe that's the fella out of 1 Corinthians 5, so other people believe it might have been someone different who specifically had afflicted Paul with a direct attack. But either way, the response is the same. The church brought discipline, and then when repentance um, had occurred, they were to offer love and comfort. And that brings us down now to verse 12. So we're going to finish chapter 2 tonight. At least that's the plan. We should be able to, I think. Verse 12, furthermore, when I came to Traos to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I departed to Macedonia. Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity. But as from God... We speak in the sight of God and Christ. So let's just stop right there and unravel what Paul has started to say here. So he's continuing his explanation, his, 
His plans have changed. He didn't come to Corinth. You'll remember that he delayed. It was really for the benefit of the Corinthians. He delayed in coming. They might have more time to address issues that he had sent in the first letter. And then in this other letter that we don't have recorded, the severe letter it's called, he had delayed that they might have more time. He had delayed that he might not come in sorrow, that is come to have to bring discipline and address what was going on. His travel plans had changed, and now he elucidates a little bit more. Furthermore, when I came to Traos to preach Christ's gospel, this was a Roman colony. It was uh, on the northwest side of the Aegean Sea. As a Roman colony, the people there uh, were really considered Roman citizens. It, it functioned as a Roman city. It was, a, it was much like uh, um, Corinth in, in aspects of its advancement and, and so forth. Um, it was an important city. And Paul went there. Now, he, he tells us why he went there. And it's no surprise to us. He came to preach Christ's gospel. And the door was opened by the Lord. He, he came to preach Christ's gospel. His travel plans had changed. He explained why. Then he says, here's where I went. I left Ephesus and went to a new place because I needed to preach the gospel. Gospel ministry directed where he went. The call to spread the gospel directed his path. He was there to preach the gospel. What we see here in Paul, and it really applies, it should anyway, to all of our lives, he's directed by the needs of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. His goings and comings are directed according to what he's supposed to do in the kingdom of his Savior. He is there to fulfill the calling of Jesus. Why does he end up where he's at? To preach the gospel. I'm doing what the Lord's called me to do. There's a work that needs to be done. There's there's an area of kingdom work that I'm called to do. A door has been opened to me. This, this door, the Lord has opened a door for me to preach the gospel. There's kingdom work that God has laid before me, and so now I'm going there. I'm going there to do the work. Paul faithfully sought to serve Jesus Christ as the doors of ministry would open. And so he traveled, and he went where he needed to go. The reality is, each of us really had that same obligation. Amen. As the Lord opens the doors of ministry, we're to step into them and fulfill our service to our Lord. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean we move from one city to the next like Paul, although it might. I know people who have done that. But it might mean you move from one particular area within the church to another area within the church. It might mean you move from one area of ministry in a relationship to another area, relational ministry, where you foster a relationship with a neighbor or a co-worker, a friend, whoever, for the purpose of gospel ministry. The reality is, Paul sets a good example here, Jimmy. Yes, he does. You go where you go, you do what you do, because that's where the kingdom dictates. Amen. Amen. You know? It's not always comfortable. 
No, it's it's not it's always not, comfortable. It, it, obviously, it wasn't comfortable for him here because his spirit wasn't even at rest. That's right. Yeah. He he didn't have a peace in his spirit. So a quick question. So he did actually preach it to us, or did he just yes. not? Yes, he, <laughs> he, he did, I believe, do so. Uh, the gospel was preached there. Okay. Um, in fact, you're going to find um, that he's made more than one visit here. Ah. And there's evidence that a church formed. Well, that that's indicative of him preaching the gospel. So that's wonderful. In so, a place where he did, where he probably wasn't expected to go because spirit wasn't was wasn't at rest. Mm-hmm. Well, and look what happened. That's right. Um, he he went where he needed to do, or went where he needed to go to do what he needed to do, and that's really what we're called to do. Amen. You know, um, and it's it's simple, y'all. It 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 it. it, it affects how we live our daily lives. Um, an example I often give to people about allowing the kingdom to direct what you choose to do. I, I used to do baseball a lot. My boys oh, yes. played baseball. Yes, yes, well, I coached, I coached a team for several years. Every year going into the season, as I needed to fill out the roster with new kids, I would pray, Lord, you give me the families that need to know your gospel. You give me the families that need to know your healing. You give me the families that are brokenhearted that need to know you. And that's how I chose to fill the roster. Amen. Just prayerfully seeking God to give me people for ministry. Amen. You know? And sometimes it worked out and they were good ball players and you won. Sometimes, well, it didn't work out so good on that side, but <laughs> you know. But it's simple as that. It's not I'm packing up my house and moving my family across the ocean because I got to serve the kingdom. It's as simple as, Lord, I've got to engage three different families. You direct me to the families that need to know your gospel. Yeah. It's, it's that simple, you know. It's, it's, it's nothing that's, that's overtly hard. It's just a mindset of saying, I go where I go, I do what I do because the kingdom dictates that. Amen. So anyway, so that's what we see there. The Lord opened the door for his faithful ministry. Um, but let's let's pick up with something you mentioned. Let me uh, verse thirteen. Let me find my text there. Uh, yes, verse thirteen. I had no rest in my spirit, and he says, "Why? Because I did not find Titus, my brother." That's interesting to me. That means so, to me that says fellowship is key to sharing the gospel, having a, somebody with you in, mm-hmm. in ministry work. Well, he, he, he often needed the support, or maybe didn't need it, but enjoyed the support of fellow yes. laborers. And there were times, even in his writings, he said, I need you to come to me and bring this and bring that. If you remember, Titus was kind of his, his messenger to the church at Corinth. Titus was the, the messenger who uh, delivered letter um, to Corinth. And in fact, in, in chapter 7, Paul is going to mention the report Titus is going to give him about the church. Part of me wonders, is, was he waiting to hear? Was he waiting to get news from Titus? Did he know that his beloved Corinthians that he had spent a year and a half with, growing and nurturing, did he know they're in turmoil and there's problems? And is he waiting to hear back what's going on? Where are they at? Is this resolved? Is he, is he so emotionally tied to the ministry there at Corinth and the problems that God's people are experiencing? Is he so, so vested in, in that work that there's not a peace in his spirit? He hasn't gotten word back yet from his, from his fellow laborer, Titus, you know? It's a loving anxiety. 
Yeah, I think so. Of abundance. <laughs> I think so. Right I, I really think, I personally think Paul was so conflicted mm. knowing the church had problems that needed to be resolved. He was there to preach the gospel. He was preaching the gospel, but he just didn't have a peace in his spirit because the church was so messed up. Mm. The church had problems. They weren't resolved yet, or at least he didn't know they were resolved yet because he hadn't gotten word back yet. He just could not have a peace within him to do the ministry that needed to be done because the church was in turmoil. It, it, his laboring for the gospel was hindered because of the turmoil within the church. Mm. That says a lot. I'm telling you. Turmoil can cause a lot of hindrances in the gospel. Problems within the church will hinder the gospel ministry of the kingdom. When there's turmoil within the church, gospel ministry is hindered. Kingdom building ceases. It does. That's it sad. Does. That's a very it does. sad state. It does. It happened to Paul here and it happens in every church. There is when, when the church is unstable or, or there, there's disunity within the church, when there's conflict within the church, it hinders the ministry of the gospel. There still may be ministry happening, but as Paul said, I had no peace in my spirit. It, and that's how that ministry happens. It's grieved. There's no rest there. And so he says, I didn't find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed for Macedonia. So he leaves to go to Macedonia. Um, now that's where this particular epistle was, was penned there in Macedonia. Um, you know, he, he's back to Macedonia now. Um, most likely, Titus would have sailed across the Aegean to make his way back to Paul. But if this was penned or, or this happened in um, more of the late fall, autumn, there would have been a, there had been a limit on the shipping. Uh, there had been a kind of a disruption on the, on the traffic of the sea. And so everyone would divert to traveling around the sea, and they would have had to gone through Macedonia, through that region. It's very likely Paul's diverted to Macedonia looking for Titus. Yes. He, I was going to say that. I was like, yeah. I see that he said, I did not find my brother. I was going to ask you, mm -hmm. you think he's like on like a search? I think he is. I mean, he's having to deal with this church, but he's also frantically searching for Titus, it looks like. I think yeah. he's on his way to find Titus, exactly. Yes. I think so. There's conflict within the body. It's hindering his ministry. He's on his way to find Titus. Mm. Can't just pick up the cell phone and text. Hey, no, man, man. yeah. There's no, there's no texting, calling, no, no social media. <laughs> there's, Titus isn't putting selfies up anywhere, you no, know, no, so no, he no, doesn't no. know what's going on. So you have, you know, verse 12 and 13 is kind of in line of what Paul has already been discussing earlier in the chapter as far as, yes, I changed my travel plans. Here's what was going on. He's kind of given more of an explanation there. And then he comes to this abrupt shift. He just changes his train of thought all of a sudden yes. with verse 14. So at verse 14, we have a distinct change in the focus Paul has. He moves on with verse 14. He says, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Paul interrupts himself a little bit here and says, now wait. I want to hear what the church is doing. I need to find out about Titus. I was I'm just all this turmoil going on. But even in all that, there's thanks to be given to God. Even in all that, there's, there's reason to be thankful. 
Even in light of anxieties and difficulties, there's reason to give thanks. Yes. And then he goes on to make this statement. Now, thanks be to God always, or who always, excuse me, who always leads us in triumph in Christ. He speaks of a thanks being offered because of triumph in Christ. Now, at face value, and you just initially read that, we recognize we have a triumph in Christ, right? That's right. There's victory in Jesus, Absolutely. right? So at face value, on the surface level, we conclude, okay, you're right. We're triumphant in Christ. <laughs> Christ has defeated sin and death. That's right. And through faith in him and being a part of him, that same victory is ours. There's an eternal victory you have in Christ. There's triumph there. But if you take it at a deeper view, it, it takes on a different or a deeper meaning. When Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, to you and I, that doesn't really mean much. But if you lived in the first century, and if you understood military processions, ah, and if you understood a Roman general marching back into Rome with the triumph, it was a very special ceremony. He had conducted a complete victory. He had routed the enemy. He had conquered parts of the enemy and taken them captive. And as he came back into the city, there would be a very special procession. It was called the triumph. Right. And there would be all kinds of people. There would be uh, political people marching in, the, in a parade. There would be um, uh, people from the various pagan temples marching in the parade. There would be trumpets and horns in the parade. There'd be censers with aroma, with incense burning in the parade. There'd be a white bull that would be offered at one of the temples brought in the parade. There would be um, the captives, the, the, the kings and the princes, the major leaders who were brought captive, chained in the parade, who would be killed at the end of the parade. Mm. There would be um, the soldiers marching in unison. That's and right. so, and there, there would be the general. Even David had a triumphal position sure. when he killed Goliath. That's right. Yes, I mean. So the general with a special robe and all would come in. And basically, if you were marching in that, you were part of the victor or you were part of the captives who would die. Mm. Now, if you take all that in light of what Paul writes there, There's a lot there. there is a lot there. Paul is a victor in his unison with Christ. He's a soldier of Christ. He's marching with Christ in that victor in that procession. But even deeper than that, he was the enemy of God, subdued by Christ, who died to himself, and Christ is the triumphal general who now rules over his life. Amen. He had to die to himself as he opposed Christ, as he came to faith in Christ, and now Christ is marching in, in, in triumphantly to receive honor and glory, and Paul is the one who's died to himself. Nothing left for him to do but just live for Christ. Amen. And so, verse 14, that first half of the sentence, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, is a much more deeply rooted statement than simply Jesus gives us the victory. That's right. It's much more deeply. The imagery used there is lost on us because we don't know the cultural context of it. We wouldn't know it, but they knew it. They recognized it. The reality is, if we put ourselves in that same spot, we are all enemies of God. But through faith in Christ, we see that he has conquered our sinful nature. 
We die to self to be united in faith with him. We've died to self to live in Christ. He is the triumphal ruler of our lives. We now submit to his authority. We live under his authority. We march in triumph with him. But not because we deserve to be on the bandwagon, simply because he is the conquering, the king, the general, the savior. And through faith we've died to ourselves and now we're united with him. It's all about his majesty, his glory. That's right. It's all about his triumph. The only reason why we get to be a part of it is to bring glory to him. Absolutely. You know, that's part of that fragrance that mm-hmm. we're about to get into. That's think, right. You know? That's right. That's right. So Paul was under the authority of God. This goes back to why he, he was talking about what he said just previous, in the previous two verses. He's under the authority of God everywhere he went, all that he endured. It was all at the bequest of God. It was all at the bequest of his ruler. It was all at the hand of his ruler. And his job was to bring honor and glory, majesty and power uplifted to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul's acknowledging, who am I? Yeah. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. I read a quote from Martin Luther. He said, God creates out of nothing. That's right. Therefore, until a man will become nothing, God can make nothing out of that man. Amen. That's where Paul's at. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. He's the triumph. He's enjoying the triumph. He's the one with majesty and power. So let me pick up the last, last half of, of that verse. It says, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Just as in that procession there were, there were incense burning and fragrant smoke going up everywhere, they marched through the city and it ended there before the emperor. Paul is a vessel of God spreading this fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. Everywhere he goes, he diffuses the knowledge of Christ. Amen. That's what his calling is, to diffuse the knowledge of Christ wherever he goes. Wherever God leads, wherever God sends, whatever door is open, whatever people he's around, he's diffusing a knowledge of Christ. In my mind, that makes me picture something that just naturally seeps out. To diffuse. I don't think Paul had to put a whole lot of effort into telling people about Jesus. I think it just kind of diffused yeah. out of him. Yeah. He went somewhere, he told them about Jesus. That's how it was. It wasn't any special thing to him as far as being hard work. Now, it was special to him. We're going to see that in just a minute. It was special to him in the calling to do it, but it wasn't special in that I have to put forth a lot of effort. It just diffused out of him. I tell people about Jesus. I want people to know the knowledge of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But that knowledge that he would share, well, it put a burden on the people who heard it. The knowledge that he would share placed great responsibility on the people who received the knowledge. He's about to go into that. Let me pick up with verse 15. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing. Huh. He's a fragrance 
among those being saved and those who are perishing. That's two different groups. That's right. He's going to go and explain these two different groups further. Verse 16. To one, we are an aroma of death leading to death. To the other, an aroma of life leading to life. Huh. Well, here Paul is. He's yielding to Jesus, following the Lord where he's supposed to go, diffusing the knowledge of Jesus. And in diffusing the knowledge of Jesus, here's some things that happens. He becomes a pleasant aroma before God, a fragrance before God. That where, that's in, in verse 14. He's diffusing a fragrance of his knowledge. That's pleasing to God. For we are the, the next verse, for we are to God the fragrance of Christ. And then he mentions again, of fragrance, those are th- those are three three mentioned three references, but two words. In the Greek, like in verse fourteen, the Greek there means just simply to have a smell or an odor. I'm just a smell or an odor. Verse fifteen means to be a very pleasing aroma. So he starts out by saying, "I'm a fragrance of his knowledge. I spread the knowledge of Jesus." But he goes on to say, we are to God the fragrance of Christ. That word fragrance there means a pleasing aroma. In doing what I'm doing, following the dictates of God, following the command of Jesus, in spreading the knowledge of Christ everywhere, I am a pleasant aroma before God. I'm pleasing to God. I am pleasing my Lord because I'm letting the knowledge of him be known. He opens the door, I step through it, I minister, I'm pleasing God. I'm a pleasant aroma before him. And so we see that in what he's doing and yielding to Christ and the work of Christ, he's pleasing God. That pleasing aroma is really rooted in the gospel and his commitment to the gospel. It's not really produced by Paul. It's that he's doing the work of the kingdom. He's advancing the gospel. It's the gospel that's really the pleasing aroma through him. And so that pleasing aroma becomes the gospel message of Christ, the knowledge of Christ. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, the Bible says Christ gave himself an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. It is Jesus. That's the sweet-smelling aroma. It's Jesus. Why was this a sweet thing before God? Because Paul is carrying the knowledge of Jesus Christ who gave himself an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling aroma before God. We hear that all through the Old Testament. A pleasing aroma to God. A pleasing aroma mm-hmm. to God. Yeah, we see how it Absolutely. all comes together in Christ. That's know? right. How that foreshadowed all that. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's really neat. And it all ties together. Oh, yeah. Don't don't ever become the person that says the Old Testament doesn't isn't for us anymore. Oh yeah, it is. Or it's you all, can't find it's Jesus all rooted together. In it. Jesus That's is all, right. I mean, he's in it. That's right. Even in the sacrifices is a picture of Christ. The blood, the sacrifice, mm-hmm. the lamb. Everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so Paul says, look, I'm spreading the knowledge of God. I've, I've got this fragrance here. I'm, I'm sharing the gospel. But the gospel demands a response from those who hear it. Mm. You see, he's spreading the knowledge of Christ, but those who receive this knowledge now have, bear a burden. The burden is to respond. The message of the gospel always requires a response. And based on the response, there were those who were saved, those who were perishing. Yeah. Paul's very plain about that. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. 
I've given the knowledge. Depending on how they respond, some are being saved, but some are perishing. He didn't apologize for that. It's just the fact. It's their choice whether they want to respond or not. He's not forcing them. No. He's giving them the choice. Mm -hmm. Then he goes on to explain further. Verse 16, to the one we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other, the aroma of life leading to life. So the message of the gospel to some people, it was just simply death. Jesus died on the cross. Uh, I don't need him. I refuse to accept him. I don't want this message. I will not surrender to him as the resurrected Savior. This message is just death, and it's going to lead to their death. Their spiritual and eternal death. That's all it was to them, death leading to death. But there were others where the message of the gospel, yeah, it involved death, the death of Christ. It culminated in his resurrection and it ended in their spiritual life as they received Christ, as they recognized his death and resurrection and through, in, through him, through faith in him, they gained this hope of eternal inheritance, a spiritual life, eternal life as the Bible calls it. By faith, they acquired eternal life. This knowledge Paul imparted was an aroma leading to life Amen. because they received it in faith. That fragrance, remember, is the gospel of Christ. It's the message of Christ, the knowledge of Christ. And to those who responded in faith, it became this aroma of life leading to life. I've seen that knocking on doors both ways. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people like, I mean, I had a guy one time, you know, he just plain and simply said, you mean if I don't have Jesus, I'm just going to go to hell? And I was like, well, the Bible says so. He's like, well, then I guess I'll go to hell. So the fragrance for him was just death to death. That's right. You know, and then I've had people just break down and cry and accept Jesus. And just some, some accept Jesus. You don't know if they did or not, but they say they did, you know, but hopefully it's from life to life for them. That's right. That's right. Everything like that. Well, ultimately what we see here is Paul was a messenger of the gospel you could, if you wanted to say it this way, he yeah. was a messenger of life and death. That's right. Paul was a messenger of life and death. That's the message he brought. It's life or death. But in reality, we all bear the same responsibility to become messengers of life and death. That's because right. that's what we're dealing with. Life and death. That's right. Life and death. It's that serious. The problem is we fail to take it that serious because the life and death we're talking of is off in the future somewhere and we don't see it yet, mm. but we put it out of our minds. Like but it's still to, life and death. I like to bring it all home, just look at your family. It's life and death mm. in your family. It's not far off. It's right there in your family. You mm-hmm. know? And I don't that's, think it's so far away. That's right. Know? That's right. Absolutely. Well, Paul goes on here. Let's, keep, let's wrap this up. Paul uh, goes on here. He says, um, to one, we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? Mm. He says, for we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God. But as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So let's wrap up what Paul says here. So he talks about this message he has, and he's bringing the knowledge of Christ, and it leads some to life, and others it's to death. But, but who is sufficient for such a task? Who's qualified for this? Who's fit for it? Who is worthy to do it? Who's able to do this? And it's a rhetorical question, really, because no one is sufficient to to carry such 
a, a grace-filled message, such a, a powerful message of life and death. No one is really a sufficient messenger of the gospel, but by God's grace, Paul was made sufficient. Through God's grace and by God's will, he was called to be the apostle and the messenger of the gospel. That's how he started right. this letter out. It if you remember. It was revealed. That's right. That's right. He didn't just make it up. Mm-hmm. He can't just make this up, man. That's right. It was revealed. <laughs> so the sufficiency for our salvation rests in Christ and sufficiency for our kingdom service is vested in Christ. And although in and of ourselves we may not be capable, worthy, or sufficient to carry the gospel in Christ, we've been made sufficient to carry his gospel. And so we all bear the responsibility to be messengers of life and death, to carry the gospel. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says that God has qualified us to be a part of his kingdom and therefore serve in his kingdom. God has qualified us. Amen. I'm not qualified, but through faith in Christ, by God's grace, he has qualified. Amen. So no excuse for any of us not to engage in the work of the ministry, to follow Paul's example, to go where the kingdom leads, to do the work of the kingdom, because God has qualified us to serve his kingdom to be messengers of life and death, to bear the gospel. You see, when God bestows upon someone the responsibility to do something, he bestows upon them the qualifications to do it. Amen. We all have been called to fulfill the Great Commission, so we all have been qualified to do it. That's right. We've all been given the responsibility to bear the message of Christ to those around us, so we all have been made sufficient in Christ to do it. That's our responsibility. We need to own that. And then Paul closes out by talking about peddling the gospel and being sincere with the gospel. Paul did not peddle the gospel, he says, as so many did. Remember, go back to what we've already talked about now. He's already started to address some of these false teachers that have inundated the church, some of these false apostles who are trying to claim authority. Those are the so many who have been peddling the gospel, who have been hoodwinking people, with the gospel. These false teachers that are inundating and, and, and just working against the truth of the gospel. When Paul uses that word peddle the gospel, it, it can take on kind of multiple meanings. For one thing, Paul was not simply preaching as a profession. No. This wasn't just some trade he had developed. This was a divine call. It wasn't just a job for him. It was an eternally significant responsibility given by God. He wasn't just out peddling his wares to make a living. And he had not perverted the gospel, added to the gospel, taken away to the gospel to make it more marketable to the masses. He wasn't peddling anything. He was presenting the truth in its purity, even if it was offensive to some or a sweet aroma to others. He didn't peddle it. He gave it like it is. That's right. Some of these false teachers were using it to kind of hoodwink people. Not him. He presented it in its purest form and said, here it is, like it or not. He offered this message in sincerity from God. Paul spoke of sincerity as God had commanded him, as God led him. It was from the heart of sincerity for God and for the church. There was no ulterior motives in what he was doing. Paul had already established this about his lifestyle, if you think back to chapter 1, verse 12, he'd already 
mentioned how his lifestyle was sincere before God, so he stood in good conscience before God. That's right. And so Paul is speaking in the sight of God and in Christ. He's sharing the gospel, knowing it's in the sight of God, that he will be judged by God according to God's standard for his gospel ministry, understanding that his accountability is before God. And he shares the gospel as one in Christ, one with Christ, inundated with the spirit of Christ, he shares the gospel. And the truth is, each of us are the same way. That's right, we are. We are responsible for the ministry God has given us to share the gospel. And it's according to his standards that we do that, and he'll judge our effectiveness in that. He'll hold us accountable in that, but we share it as one united with Christ, inundated with Christ's spirit, led by a spirit, once again, qualified in him to do it. So, Jimmy, ultimately, I think tonight, what we walk away from this thinking is simply this. Our lives are directed by the needs of God's kingdom. That's right. And he has qualified us to serve in that kingdom. That's right. In whatever capacity he calls us. Commissioned us. In his sight. We are commissioned. You know, that's, 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 a, that's a big responsibility. But it's a blessed responsibility. Absolutely. If you do it. You mm-hmm. know, and I mean, nobody says you're going to do it perfectly, but you do need to do it. That's you right. Know, that's, that's, that's right. That's the best thing. That's right. You know, Paul's message, you know, is to be a fragrant offering of God's love. There you go. You know, a fragrant it, to the saved and to the lost. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like the lost. I like that. A fragrant offering of God's love to all people we encounter. That's right. I like that. Very good. Any other thoughts, man? That, I didn't give you much time tonight. <laughs> I got going. Oh, man, that's good. That's all I got on that, you know. I went into chapter three, so I got mine next week. You got, you're ready. <laughs> you're ready. Well, next week, we're going to jump into chapter three. And based on past experience, I'm just going to say we won't finish chapter 3. Chapter 3 has a but, lot of uh, Old Testament references yes, and stuff like he gets, that. He gets down with Moses yeah, a lot in yes, chapter 3. Yes, so yeah. it'll be interesting. Y'all get ready for chapter 3 next week. Those of you who've tuned in through Facebook or listened to our podcast, thank you for being a part along the narrow way. We invite you to do that, share that with people, but we would love to see you here at the church on a Wednesday evening studying with us. You always have an open invitation to anything we do here at Bunnell Baptist. We're going to sign off and have our prayer time here with the folks at the church, but we're glad you tuned in with us. We'll catch you next week. You have been listening to Along the Narrow Way, hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast so you can get updates on new episodes. Thank you for listening, and remember to stay faithful to walk along the narrow way with Jesus.